everyone welcome to the force unscripted we are going to be recording our fourth episode of season one about ahsoka i'm super excited about this one this is going to be a two-part series so today is part one we're going to discuss the episodes that have already been posted and then we will do a another part as soon as the season finale has concluded and follow up on all of our thoughts that we will discuss today as well as other thoughts that we are going to have towards the end i'm really excited about the ahsoka series it's something that i've been waiting for for a really long time i know when she is also really excited about this and we forced bonk bonks to watch the entire series also he's got probably more questions than answers but that's why we uh we have him here to torture him with our abundance of star wars knowledge but without further ado uh let us go ahead and begin episode four ahsoka part one what's up winshi are you ready to discuss some uh <laughs> some ahsoka stuffs yo yo yeah i'm ready let's do it i was behind the times on watching the episodes you know me i'm i'm always late but after i finished episode five i was just jaw down to the ground basically everything that i ever wanted has been in this show as far as star wars is concerned i was really happy to see like dave filoni giving us the justice that we need deserve and love that man is an absolute creative genius absolutely Absolutely. This is like all of his work culminating. We've seen Clone Wars for years and years, all the little bits and pieces. And now we finally see, you know, Anakin as Filoni envisioned him in the future after, you know, after he died. This is awesome. And then Ahsoka's, you know, interactions with him and all that kind of stuff. It's great. Love it. I'm gonna need you to, uh, to eat some of your words from, uh, the past episode. <laughs> I see that look on your face. <laughs> uh, so, so Anakin didn't fulfill, uh, his destiny huh Huh? Okay, look, I eat it. I take it back. I said in our the first podcast episode I was here that Anakin did not fulfill the prophecy. And I eat my words. I've seen Anakin as the force balanced. I've seen him in the world between worlds, controlling that place, in charge, being the teacher that he was supposed to be, the guiding force, one could say. I, I eat it all. I eat all the words. I believe that Anakin got the glow up that he deserved. One thing that I've always loved about Star Wars is in the original episode six, when they're having the celebration on on the moon of Endor, you see the original stand-in for Anakin, the old guy. And I loved the fact when they went back and remastered it, that they put in Hayden because I think he always portrayed Anakin accurately. And that was something that a lot of people did not agree with, or they thought that it was weird, but you see certain things like the cadence in which he speaks, the darkness in which he he feels enveloped in, especially in episode three. And when Filoni joined, you know, the scene and gave us the Clone Wars, one thing that I've always mentioned is that you under you kind of understand why Anakin is the way he is. And that was something that they really showed off in episode five, too, with the the war scenes, the the live war scenes from 
Clone Wars where you see him and he's telling Ahsoka like I have to teach you to be a warrior this is this is just what the Jedi have become and this is what you must be and it's just you understand all the trials and tribulation that Anakin Skywalker went through from his pickup on Tatooine to images such as you know the the Battle of Ryloth that we see in the Ahsoka series but I, I think that Anakin definitely gets the glow up he deserves in this series post specifically post episode six because for the longest time after episode six you don't really see Darth Vader I mean even in like the movies uh the one thing that I liked in Legends is that he comes and he tries to reconcile with Leia during the truce at Bakura for those of you if you're interested in reading that book and he appears to Leia he's saying you know I know I've done a lot of messed up you know, I I know what I did as Vader. And I'm not saying that you have to forgive me, but I'm sorry. And that's really all you ever get of Anakin post episode six. And I always wanted to see Anakin as a force ghost because we see Yoda twice. We see Obi-Wan like three or four times, but we never saw Anakin outside of that one moment with Leia. And here, I mean, we got the, we got the hello snips. I was smiling at that the entire time. We got to see Vader with a human body in action. Like, it's just, it was, it was everything that I had wanted for Anakin Skywalker, all put in, in one spot in a series that is created by one of the most imaginative and creative, like, Star Wars directors that I can think of at the moment. And I just, I loved it all. Sorry to run my mouth. I just, I, I, I fell in love with Ahsoka as soon as episode one was over. It's just, it's been a great journey since. So I got a question. Is Anakin dead at the moment? I'm, I'm kind of confused yes. by. Yes. So yes. this, this takes place. What was it like? 15 10 years? Plus, yeah. 10 plus. Good number of years after. After episode six. And that episode six is when he dies on the Death Star. So uh, yeah, Anakin's been dead for a little bit. Gotcha. What was he using to talk to Ahsoka in that, by the way? It was, I think you mentioned world between worlds. Is that what that was? Yeah, so that that place where um, Ahsoka ends up, it's called the World Between Worlds. It's first seen in Rebels, and it's where Ezra goes, the person that they're looking for in, in Ahsoka. Um, it's where, where Ezra goes. Uh, he goes to a temple, I believe it's on Lothal, right? And he sees the mural of the father, the son, and the daughter of the, the Mortis gods. And he finds, he figures out the puzzle that's there and he finds his way into the world between worlds, which is essentially a place outside of space and time and completely like created or embodied in the force, which is also what we talked about previously when we were saying that Kylo and Rey, their dyad connection allowed them to, to kind of utilize that to, to trade things between each other, even though they weren't together or to see each other because the world between worlds can span space and time. Uh, Ezra saves Ahsoka at one point from Vader actually uh, by pulling her into the world between worlds while they, she and Vader were fighting. Now, one thing that we should mention, though, is the whole world between worlds with the Kylo and Rey aspect. That's just speculation at the moment. We don't actually know for sure that that's what they used to pass, but that seems to be the most logical theory, in my opinion, as to how they could do that. Yeah, same. And so when, when Anakin's in there, you know, kind of like controlling what's going on, it shows that he does have some some mastery over the place, potentially even over the Force, since that is like a physical embodiment of somewhere in the Force, which is really cool. Uh, the fact that the place is tied to the Mortis gods kind of leans into the theory that he was supposed to replace the father and, and be, you know, the balance in the Force. And now that he has died, he has taken up that role. And we can see that because he, he splits between Anakin 
Anakin and his Vader personas effortlessly within the world between worlds and isn't consumed by either of the sides. And he has actually brought balance to himself. And since he is the son of the force, he is bringing balance also to the force through the world between worlds. Another thing that I would like to mention too, is that as far as we've seen so far in the media for Star Wars, the only people who are already in the world between worlds would be either the father, the daughter, or the son, because we saw the daughter in the owl form flying around when Ezra pulled in Ahsoka. So as far as we know, the only people who are allowed to exist there, as is always, are those people. So that even just, I feel like that further enforces that theory that Anakin has assumed the role of the father. And I think that that is, that's, that's really cool because he was just already there. He was, he was just chilling. He was like, hello, Snips. What's up, dude? <laughs> he's like, I didn't expect you so soon, which means he's been there for a hot minute, you know, waiting around. So that's kind of probably where he resides. And since Ahsoka at one point was dead and resurrected, Directed with the the life force of the daughter, she would have some form of access to the place that you know other people wouldn't have, uh, which kind of explains how she ended up there. Whether she was dragged there by Anakin or she put herself there, st I still think she would be able to. I wonder if that means that the world between worlds kind of functions as like a force limbo too. Like if you become one with the force and become like a force ghost, I wonder if that's your first pit stop before you fade into the force ether or whatever. Or if that's just it's not even a pit stop. That's just where you end up. It's where you chill forever reliving then why the haven't we seen anyone past. else though we 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 might we haven't seen a ton of the force ghosts outside of of yoda and obi-wan so maybe qui-gon shows up that's my homie he he is the the jedi stoner pothead i don't care what anyone says that that is that is who qui-gon jinn was he was a force hippie you know when we see yoda in the last jedi i don't know it's the, the, i think it's the last the, jedi yeah so we see yoda talking to luke and yoda is able to interact with the world around him even smacking luke in the face uh, so he has some like physicality and we've seen anakin now being able to fight with ahsoka physically so potentially yoda's there as well he's he's able to access the same kinds of things maybe not as you know flawlessly as anakin does but he do it he do be doing it all right so let's go ahead and and start some of this episode discussion I, I'm really excited to uh, get into it. One thing that I, I really want to uh, kind of focus on for a little bit is the whole Sabine Ahsoka situation. I think that it is absolutely hilarious that the first instance that we really see of Sabine and Ahsoka is Sabine just kind of being like, well, f what you're saying i'm gonna do what i want to anyway i just know in my heart of hearts that anakin and obi-wan are watching somewhere looking at ahsoka laughing their f***ing ass off because obi-wan's <laughs> like yeah anakin did that and anakin's like yeah ahsoka did that and now ahsoka's finally getting that the whole legacy of that force line i i, I love that that was so funny to me I was like, I know they're laughing at her. I know they're laughing at her. And it, it's a teaching moment, just like the, the Ryloth battle, because, you know, in the Battle of Ryloth, she disobeyed her orders and went and did, you know, what she wanted and got a bunch of people killed. Well, Sabine went, you know, off on her own, did her own thing, got herself stabbed and lost the, the map. And definitely a failure when you uh, you don't prepare well to go do go off and do your own thing, especially in Sabine's case, since she's like super force not sensitive. And I guess you could, you could also relate it even back farther past a 
Ahsoka to Anakin also because technically the whole thing on Geonosis was just him not listening to what he was supposed to be doing yeah. and messing up, losing a hand. Like, he just... <laughs> we'll take them together. No, now. Lose his hand. <laughs> oh, man. So one thing that I also wanted to talk about too was the first episode, I wasn't upset, but the scene where Balin and Shin like infiltrate the New Republic ship, the fighting specifically from Shin was like a little cringe. She seemed really stiff and inexperienced, which I guess is makes sense because she is like a learner, like that is her master. But by the time Ahsoka versus Marok comes around and then all of the fights after that, I absolutely enjoyed the choreography of each of them. They were very well written, and especially all of Ahsoka's fights, whether it's Ahsoka versus Marok, Ahsoka versus Balin, or Ahsoka versus Anakin. I thought that she really did an amazing job at not only showing off her lightsaber skills that were from what she learned from Anakin, from all the intensive training that he put him through, but also you kind of see how she's like kind of developed i wouldn't necessarily say her own style well i guess it would be her own style and how she uses it to not only outmaneuver but outsmart her opponents most times too like maybe not in the balin fight but definitely in the marok fight and for sure in the anakin fight and i think the balin fight's a little skewed in balon's favor because she did grab the map and it did burn her hand pretty badly which she was holding her own up until that point and then after she burned her hand and couldn't hold her lightsaber in both hands he was able to easily overpower her with his superior physique why wasn't she dual wielding from the start against balin my theory is that she was testing his abilities and also she was trying to get to that map so she needed a hand free and since he is does seem to be such a powerhouse she might not have felt like she could use her agility to its full potential because she was just going to get beat down they did show that um the both of them are very knowledgeable of their forms of their lightsaber forms they they switch up their forms to to match the other person multiple times throughout the fight. You see that in their little, you know, dances slightly before they actually exchange blows. Ahsoka will change a stance and Balon will immediately, you know, counter with his own stance. That's them switching between the, the various stances and whatnot that, that actually counter the other person's lightsaber form. And they would have been trained that way, you know, since they were both trained by the Jedi in the Jedi Order. It was really cool to see two masters of, you know, lightsaber combat actually showing off their skills and, and whatnot not versus just Ahsoka and Merok, where Merok's just a resurrected Inquisitor looking dude and they were trained specifically not to be too strong because Vader and Palpatine didn't want them to be too powerful and like try and come after them. So they gave them like moderate training and then spinny lightsabers to counter that. Obviously, the spinny lightsabers did not do much for them in Ahsoka's case. So Merrick was the one that had the spinny lightsaber and then yes. got slashed and that was like a ghost coming out, right? Yeah, so there's um, Morgan Elsbeth. Uh, she, she mentioned that she's... A descendant of the the witches of Dathomir. Maul's brother Savage had the same kind of thing going on, and they were able to give Maul legs back using the same kind of magic. They use the Force in a, a very different way than like the Jedi and the the Sith do, but it is a, a Force technique uh, per se that they use to to resurrect or animate bodies. So yeah, that was that was what he the green stuff coming out of him. Yeah, it's a it's not Sith alchemy, but Sith Sith alchemy came from it. 
it's basically all rooted in 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 not necessarily solely force use but force use and witchcraft because they are witches so alchemy basically now one thing that i I did want to mention going coming off that is does that mean that balin and shin are dark jedi and not sith yes they are not sith i don't think they are sith one thing that i noticed when ahsoka and and balin were fighting is that if you look at his lightsaber it's not so much red as it is orange have you noticed that it's confirmed orange feloni okay said that it's orange yeah so and since we know that lightsabers typically the sith bleed them red since they aren't red that kind of you know indicates that they aren't fully sith they're just jedi that use the dark side or well dark jedi basically and we can see that in balon's manner he's not overly aggressive and and vicious he even doesn't really want to fight ahsoka where a sith would just want to overpower her show their dominance that kind of thing he's just got a mission and he's he's on a path just happens to involve using the dark side of the force one thing that i I really appreciate about him too was to sabine he kept his word too and he was like you know i'm gonna keep my word and i thought i thought that was very honorable granted bad guy sure but honorable bad guy which also you know reinforces the point that he's probably more of a dark jedi than a sith because a sith would absolutely just go back on their word and kill sabine immediately after acquiring the map which and that we kind of see that in shin shin tends towards the dark side more we can see her anger and her rage way more than balon who's very you know composed and collected do we just want to chop that one up to teen angst we can i'm fine with that she got she got some issues i'm sure plenty people think they can fix her (laughs) (laughs) oh man so is there any backstory on balin and shin or are they just introduced in this not not much we don't know shin's origins at all we do know that balon was a jedi during the the clone wars Um, obviously he escaped order 66 but that's about all the information we have we don't know anything about you know their assignments their their history as part of the order if shin was potentially which i think she's too young to have been a youngling at the the academy oh Uh, definitely so he had to find her somewhere and we have no clue at this point any of that history if she was a youngling during the time of order 66 that would put her in her like early 30s early mid 30s yeah she seems more like 20 25 maybe maybe she looks really young she could be adolescent honestly we don't really have the information to know i don't know her her manner of talking puts her a little bit older than maybe maybe anakin's age in like clone wars like 19 1920 yeah yeah were we still that cringe at 19 or 20 Yes. Yes. You absolutely. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna need you to redact that statement, sir. I've never been unhinged. I've always been the prime example of a upstanding young gentleman. Okay. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, so another thing that I really wanted to to talk about too was Jason. Of course, we're not talking about Jason Solo like we were last episode. We're talking about Jason Sindula. First off, tragic name. Sad for him because I feel like I, I, I honestly hope that that's going to hint at maybe the path he's going down. If it doesn't, I'm cool with that also. I just thought that the name was hilarious, especially since the last episode we were talking about Jason Solo. But what I really want to focus on is the fact that he was able to perceive the fight that Ahsoka and Anakin had in the world between worlds from the physical world, which I I can't confirm this, but I'd like to think that that is 
some hints at his father because we all know that towards the end of his life, Kane and Jairus got blinded and couldn't see. And I just think it's kind of ironic that his son can hear what he can't see, even though it's not in the same dimension. And I think that shows one, how naturally innate and intimate his connection to the force is. But I would like to believe in my heart of hearts that that is like a sort of silent homage to Kane and Jairus too. I hadn't really thought of that. I, I hadn't thought of that angle about Kanan being you know blind and his son listening through the force and you know he's even able to like get Hera to hear through it as well so it's definitely definitely some you know some some four shenanigans going on on his side kind of you know further confirms that what Anakin and Soka are experiencing are real and not just a vision or something that you know Ahsoka's conscious chalked up. I think it's really cool that Jason is able to make his mother kind of aware of the situation. I don't know if that's indicative of some kind of force power, but I would I would like to believe so because as far as we know, Harrison Dula isn't a force sensitive, right? Yeah, we haven't seen her do anything force force related. I don't think so. That would make me believe that maybe Jason also has some kind of power that makes him like. A a conduit you know like I, I don't know how else to describe it transitive property of the force i guess like be, if he is aware of something maybe he can make someone in his surrounding aware of it you know there are there are thousands of different force powers that can manifest themselves and i am really excited to see how how his storyline progressed with the name he has because we all know jason solo was very gifted in the force now his stuff manifested more towards animals and plant life and stuff but by the time darth cadis comes around i mean the guy is very goddamn powerful in the force and just very strong can do can flow walk which is manipulating the flow of time and that's that's in itself is 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 incredible and i feel like if that if that power presented itself in this timeline it would definitely somehow have to interact with the world between worlds and and i feel like there's a lot of symbolism in this character Jason and I really want to see where this character goes because I I personally was not expecting I, I didn't even know that they had a kid so getting to see Jason knowing his name knowing what he's already done so far in the series makes me really hopeful for this character and I really want to see how this character develops wait so you didn't watch the end of Rebels I he's there right is he if he is, I, I don't remember. So. I'm gonna be honest. I I, I think I he's probably, like right at the very end. Yeah, I probably just missed that part. But I definitely didn't expect Hera and Kanan to have a non Twi'lek baby. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, in Legends, Twi'leks and and humans could not have kids. So yeah, that was definitely a surprise. Uh, I guess a welcome one. It makes me sad for some of the characters in Legends who were together, Twi'leks and humans, and were depressed basically because they couldn't have kids, watching other people around them have kids and wishing that they could have their own. It makes me sad for them, but kind of, you know, hopeful for as well because it's cool that they can although it's weird that it comes out as human well we also do see one other instance of a twi'lek and a human having a baby during the clone wars when the one twi'lek had a baby with clone there were two kids no it was uh it was it wasn't um clone wars it was uh bad batch oh Basically, okay. a, a clone and a Twi'lek have two Twi'lek kids that play with Omega. Aiden and Lasima, man. They didn't get the, the baby they deserved. 
Speaking of Mandalorians, let's talk about the Maldalorians. I know, I know you want to talk about that for sure. So I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you take the reins here. They look so cool. The armor was great. I love the sound when lightsabers strike Beskar. It's such a satisfying sound. And Ahsoka pulling out all the stops. The the actress for young Ahsoka was amazing with her her lightsaber skills and movement, fighting the the Maldalorians, taking out what I think five in that that short little sequence. Totally awesome. Mandalorians are cool, and I mean Ahsoka's just better. Ahsoka has the highest body count of Mandalorians, I think, of anyone in Star Wars, besides, like, maybe Revan. He absolutely em- embarrassed Mandalore the Ultimate, so... Ahsoka is definitely a close second, for sure. I've seen some compilation videos of uh, Ahsoka's, like, body count just for Mandalorians. It's great. She's she's a killer. She's insane. She, uh... I, you know, I was, I was really happy to see not only the battle of ryloth but the siege of mandalore as live action because of all the stuff during the clone wars those were def well maybe not so much the battle of ryloth but definitely the siege of mandalore is something that i wanted to see live action because when i watched the scene from clone wars where ahsoka goes there with like her special ahsoka complement of clone troopers and she's just mid-air like i don't know x thousand feet in the sky just hopping from plane to plane not only killing mandalorians but saving clone troopers and then slides down on a platform to fight more mandalorians like i just i was so happy to see even just a glimpse of the siege of mandalore in live action form it was great it was perfect it was it was chef's kiss it was well done i i may or may not have a bulge in my pants thinking about it like it is just it's everything that i wanted we rewatched that scene last night, uh, so uh, it's very fresh. It was so good. And when she lands on that platform in Clone Wars and just demolishes them, looked away from the fight, as uh, Brick3PO has mentioned yesterday, looked away from the fight from the Mandalorians who are trained, like their whole people, all their armor, everything is meant to, to kill Jedi. That's what their whole kit is for. And she turns away from them and still smacking them down. And I mean, we see that here in, in Ahsoka, you know, live action. She's just whipping through them. And it's great. And then immediately after we see Rex uh, compliment her. That was so good. Their relationship is, you know, a big part of her story. And Tamura did a great job, even for just the moment that he was there. And their armor <laughs> looks so good. So good. For phase, phase one, one phase two. Uh, phase one is my favorite clone armor. I want to see if the Ahsoka series does more like flashback little tidbits of like live action stuff. I hope they do. Because one thing that I always loved was the relationship between Rex and Ahsoka. Like you see at the end of the Clone Wars series and you see again when they come back in Rebels uh, together, you know, their relationship. They, they never they never lost that bond, which was something that I absolutely loved about those two characters. And it was great to not only see that, but to also see kind of in like real time how far Ahsoka has grown. Like you get like a, it's it's small, but in that last episode, you see her as like a kid, how she's like hesitant in battle. She's worried about everything that's going around her. She's very conscientious about the loss of life around her as like a Jedi should be. Then you see her again at the Siege of Mandalore, where she's just like, she's on a mission. She's like, I know what I have to do. I have to fight. I have to get there. And she's very determined. There's no hesitation. It's like she's lost all 
sort of restraints. But then you think about the talk that her and Anakin are having. And it's like at that moment during the Siege of Mandalore, in my opinion, at least, and you may disagree with this, she was kind of, I don't want to say peak, but she hadn't found out about Anakin being Darth Vader yet. And she, in her mind, she had a clear goal that she wanted to achieve and she did not hesitate towards achieving that goal. But then now that she's discussing things with Anakin, she's finally trying to reach closure again. You can see that there is hesitation. There are doubts. There is a lack of this bold confidence that she had during the Siege of Mandalore that she seems to no longer have. But then she does get the closure in what she's looking for. And that's when you get Boom, Ahsoka the White. And I love it. In the fight against Maul and on in the Siege of Mandalore, she was a hundred percent Anakin's cocky apprentice, you know, Padawan, apprentice, whatever. She she had his mannerisms, she had, you know, the comebacks and whatnot for Maul, the taunts, everything. That was totally Anakin's Padawan there. And yeah, we see her, you know, live action here. She's she's going ham on these mandalorians and then it's anakin saying you are all the parts of me and she's saying yeah well there's a really big part of you that was extremely evil and he's like that's in me too and he goes you you know you're not getting it you don't understand back to the beginning she doesn't understand that it's a choice at that point she thinks you know it's just part of her she's felt this whole time that she abandoned anakin she abandoned him and he became Vader partially because she she left the order. She felt like she could have, you know, saved him and whatnot. And he's trying to show her here that it wasn't her fault. It was his choice. It was, you know, a part of him that, that made that, you know, choice to become Vader oh, through all the interactions. And I think... This was the, the confrontation that Ahsoka needed. She had fought Vader before, but it was full Vader having as he would say, killed Anakin off. And now we have Anakin back, but with the parts of Vader that he, you know, still retains the the skill, the power, the hunger for, you know, power, I guess. You know, he he's he's definitely Anakin here that we see. And so she gets to fight him. She gets to, you know, fight Anakin as he would have been uh, as Vader without all the suit and whatnot. And, and st but still retaining his cognition, his, you know, his actual balance or his what did I, the word i said for Baylor, composure there we go and she fights him and she wins and which i really like because every single time we've seen ahsoka drop her lightsabers she wins the fight every single time ahsoka has lost her lightsaber she wins the fight she grabs the other dude's lightsaber and takes it she's done it to like two or three different inquisitors now she's a master at beating people without a weapon which is awesome and when she takes the weapon she shoves it in anakin's face and her eyes go yellow and we see her show him that there is that dunk in her and then choose to throw it away. She throws away the saber. She doesn't try and kill Vader, who she's fighting at that point. And she, she forgives him. She chooses that she wants to be someone who isn't dead to the light side of the force which is how I kind of interpreted that life or death conversation. I definitely agree with that. And I thought that all of the symbolism there, there's just, there's so much from what I was talking about earlier with Jason, from seeing Anakin transition between Anakin and Vader, seeing Ahsoka's eyes go you know, temporarily, what were they? Were they red or, or yellow? I couldn't remember. They were yellow. His were red, which is okay, also yeah. symbolic. And on, on Mustafar, his eyes are yellow. 
He his yes. eyes are going yellow throughout throughout every time we've seen Vader, his eyes were yellow. They were not red. But the only person we've seen with red eyes like that is the son, the more of the Mortis gods. He had full red eyes, which kind of further cements in my mind the theory that he is the balance taking the place of the father. Because here his eyes go red. They don't go yellow, they go red, which is totally new for him, but not new for people associated with the Mortis gods, and in particular the dark side of the force. Her eyes going yellow shows that she has the the potential to choose the dark side, not necessarily the power of the Mortis gods like Anakin has because they aren't red, but it shows that she does have the potential to be evil, but is not. She makes the choice to be Ahsoka the White, essentially, which is great. I love that all Star Wars fans have just been stealing from Lord of the Rings, just calling her Ahsoka the White. Like, all of them. Like, every everywhere I looked, everyone was like, Ahsoka the White, Ahsoka the White, Ahsoka the White. <laughs> so, is her, like, white white lightsaber, like, for, was it, like, foreshadowing then? I guess maybe in a sense like the story about her kyber crystal is like it was i believe it was it was a sith crystal that had been bled to be to turn red and she like healed it and and it, it became pure and that's that's why her her blades are white and i think maybe from my my understanding you know the sith bleed their lightsabers red the jedi have various colors but since she wasn't a jedi i felt like the colorless choice was was part of her identity as not a jedi not having finished the training or even trying to be similar to the the jinsari that we see you know in in legends and whatnot you know the sentinels in the the rebels and whatnot they have yellow sabers so it's not quite that either i think she's meant to be like a a full middle ground at that point maybe we'll see her her bleed her lightsabers blue or something again i don't think That'd you can bleed cool lightsabers a non-red color can you we don't know I always thought lightsaber, the color was determined by like some kind of crystal they used. It, it is. And it wasn't, okay. And hers used to be blue. Green, then blue. Green, then blue. Anakin turned them blue. I don't know that he replaced the crystal. I assume that he replaced the crystal. I just really love the design of, I and I've always said this, I love the design of Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber. And I love the trend of like Jedi before Order 66 of like their students having like sabers that are somewhat similar to their master's design as like their first one and then when they become a jedi knight they make their own like you see that with qui-gon obi-wan like i i absolutely love the fact that they did it also with uh anakin and ahsoka now granted anakin did make the like or did like enhance the new ahsoka saber so it, it makes sense that they look very similar in aesthetic but i've always enjoyed that i've always enjoyed specifically anakin's saber style and i really like the clone wars ahsoka sabers as well i'm not sure that i have a favorite lightsaber lightsabers are cool i love them i love the combat but i'm more of a beskar and blasters kind of guy of course you are you mandalorian dweeb <laughs> all right so that is our part one of the Ahsoka episode discussing the first five episodes. As I mentioned, we will be back with part two after the season finale. But thank you guys for being here for the fourth episode of The Force Unscripted. And we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Mm -hmm.